0: You're listening to The Setup Podcast, a podcast that helps you navigate new topics in music, tech, and entrepreneurship with the most disruptive professionals in the music industry turning their experiences working behind the scenes into actual advice you can use. I'm Sydney. And I'm Sam. And And we're your hosts for The Setup Setup Podcast. If you're like us, passionate about paving your own path, hit the subscribe button on Apple, Spotify, or your favorite app because we'll help set you up for success at the setup podcast. I want to say a quick shout out to our amazing listeners. Truly. I create this podcast to help those who are new to the industry, just like I was once. And I'm very happy to learn that I can also provide insight to those who have been in music for a while. I want to give another shout out to all of our new listeners of the setup podcast. Thanks for tuning in last week. Bree Noble discussed how she grew within her musical career by surrounding herself with other like-minded professionals and with the support of her community. She now helps female musician entrepreneurs to live the life that they want. This week, Lisa Brigantino joins us on the Setup Podcast. Lisa toured for years with the first female-led Zeppelin cover band while simultaneously building a career in music supervision and licensing. We uncovered the intersection of business and music in the world of music supervision, her process of choosing the right music for important scenes, and how you can do the same. I'm super excited that we're going to have Lisa today. Uh, Music supervision is something that I have been learning intensely about. This is music. This is iconic music and scenes that make that scene. This is the music and commercials that you see every day that makes you remember those commercials. We are sitting here with Lisa Brigantino. Thanks for joining us today on the set of podcasts. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for having me it's it's a pleasure so what excites you about the music industry
1: well i think what excites me now about the music industry is that many opportunities exist that didn't exist years ago for do-it-yourself artists for people who don't necessarily want a record deal for people who are doing their own thing and are not necessarily making music that would be considered mainstream. So I think there are a lot of avenues for people to get their music out, depending on, you know, what they are interested in creating. You know, that being said, everybody and their uncle can have uh, a recording studio now. And just because you can record on your laptop doesn't necessarily mean you know how to do it properly. So, There's also, I think there's a lot of stuff you have to weed through, but I think that there are just a lot of opportunities for people to share what they're doing. So that's exciting. And as a music supervisor, which is part of what I do, the variety of things that I do in the music world, there are many different avenues to explore in terms of supply suppliers of music whether it's indie artists or folks that are aggregating that kind of music there are just so many more choices there out there today
0: yeah absolutely i couldn't agree more i think that's really exciting because i there's so many different options that artists can get involved in however it, it can get a little bit overwhelming. I think it's a double-edged sword, but, but to your point, with helping someone navigate or helping them with the kinks, because if they have a home studio and they have all the programs, it, it's not essentially always going to work, <laughs> but... There are there are definitely resources that they could reach out to. One of those resources is DistroKid. You can upload your music to DistroKid, add lyrics, and send them to all the major streaming apps. It is a very easy way to make money and get discovered. I will share a link in the episode description. So wanting to get back a little bit, I mean to your point when you said that's one of the things that you've done or that you're doing. You are also still a performing artist, recording artist. So you do the creative side, you and you also are music supervisor for your own company. But before that, I I need to ask, I'm obsessed with your background. <laughs> you were a member of the first all female led Led Zeppelin tribute band called Led Zeppelin yes i'm a i'm an original member Ah. i
1: i have to make that distinction for legal reasons but i am an original member of les zeppelin i was the john paul jones of the group so i tripled on bass keyboard and mandolin and i was in the group from like the first rehearsal which was january 2003 and i was in the band until january 2009 We toured all over the world. We played lots of uh, high-level festivals like Bonnaroo and Download. And yeah, it was really something.
0: Yeah, and that's wild too because I feel like it's a little bit more rare to be at huge festivals as a tribute band as well. So that's really incredible that you were able to do that.
1: Yeah, I think in the case of Bonnaroo, download. We also did Rock Am Ring, Rock Am Park, which are festivals uh, festivals in Germany. All of those festivals, we were the first tribute band to play those festivals and the first all-girl band to play those festivals. So it was, it was quite an amazing ride while it lasted. And I, I really am so honored to have been a part
0: of it. How did you become a part of that?
1: Well, it's interesting. I I was put in touch with the guitarist whose idea it was to start the project through a mu- mutual friend who I was on the board of Women in Music in New York with Women in Music as a nonprofit organization, which I'll talk a little bit more about later. But she said, well, I you know, I, this guitarist is starting this Led Zeppelin tribute band, all-girl band. They're looking for a bass player. And now... At this time, I was a vice president of a licensing uh, company, music supervision company. I was trying to do my own stuff. Like the last thing I needed to do was to join a band, right? But right. Something about it just kind of piqued my interest. And I thought, and, and it wasn't supposed to be a big deal. It was like, oh, we're just going to, maybe we'll gig once a month. We'll go play the bitter end in New York. Not a big deal. Fine. But what happened is, we got such an amazing response that it just took off and by 2005 after being in the band a couple of years we were getting asked to go to canada we were getting asked to go to germany and i ended up leaving my full-time job to basically run off with the circus so that's kind of how it happened
0: that's awesome. Yeah. I would love, love that you are compared to the circus because I'm sure yeah. it was like a really crazy ride. Oh yeah. Yeah, it was. Yeah. yeah. And, and I, I can't imagine having a full-time job and, and, you know, then touring after a while or getting more involved with that type of lifestyle it, too.
1: It, yeah. It was, you know, full-time job, Led Zeppelin, at the same time, I, I also work with my sister a lot, my sister Lori Brigantino, so I, I get the whole sister thing. We have a musical comedy act we do. So we I was doing that at the same time too. So I was like juggling all this stuff. But, you know, leaving the full-time job and 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 going on the road with the band, I I took, or no, I, I didn't take clients with me, but they knew that I was leaving. So a few people just followed me and I ended up doing licensing and supervision from you know wherever we were I could be in Germany and after a show I'd get on my computer I'd be doing some work and after I left the band in 2009 I just was I got back into doing more of the business stuff and then I incorporated my company in in 2011 so it kind of just it it you know all this background in supervision and licensing finally got me to the place where I could do it myself, and it's just me. I don't want any employees. I'm very happy just taking care of it by myself, and if I you know want to go off and do a show or you know go on a little mini tour for a week, I don't have to ask anybody's permission, you know so it it works out.
0: that is one hundred percent the best part, yeah, yeah, <laughs> definitely. Yeah. So what I suppose what was that pivotal moment that you decided to leave your touring leave the touring band that you're a part of and kind of go into more of the business side
1: and essentially create
0: um, your own business?
1: Well, I, I left the band and the singer left the band and the drummer left the band all on the same day. So we we were just feeling like it was time to go. And it was a very hard decision to make because as you can imagine, it, it's hard to leave a situation like that. But we were feeling Absolutely. like we had kind of come to the end of the line of, of what we could bring to the party. And uh, so we wanted to leave when we felt good about what we had done with the group. So, and I also, for the for the uh, years that I was in the band, I was not really able to do much of my own music. I'm, I'm a composer and a songwriter. I have a master's in composition and music theory. So, you know, playing the music of Led Zeppelin is wonderful, but it didn't leave me any time to do that stuff. So I, pulling back from the band getting back to like focusing on my business and my own music was really kind of the, the impetus for leaving.
0: Yeah, that definitely makes sense, where you were still missing, you still had that void where you you need to fill it, especially being a creator. I totally get that. Did you ever get to meet any of the guys from Led Zeppelin?
1: I didn't. I think uh, a couple of the other members did meet. I felt like somebody met, met John Paul Jones. But I do know that Jimmy Page heard our debut album from 2007, which was recorded by Eddie Kramer, who engineered... Many of the original Led Zeppelin albums, and he he gave his thumbs up on that. So that was <laughs> exciting. <Yeah.
0: laughs> That's incredible. Yeah, and I'm sure there's so many parallels between being an artist and and growing your own business. How did you know doing the touring thing and still being an artist to this, day, to this day prepare you for starting your own thing?
1: Well, I think I think twofold because I've I have always worked a job and done music at the same time, you know, when, after I got my, my, my master's from SUNY Fredonia, which is State University of New York at Fredonia. And I moved to New York, like the week I moved to New York, I took a, took a job at a licensing company as an administrative assistant. So that's kind of like where I started to learn that business. And then went home and I would be writing or at night or performing. So I was always kind of doing both of those things at the same time. And I think what happened is, I really learned good time management skills because you really have to learn how to compartmentalize or you're not gonna get these things done. You really just have to kind of separate, focus, say, this is the time for this, this is the time for that. And then, you know, that's how it gets done. So. And I always worked for people who I always worked for small companies. The first company I worked for was was a woman owned, and it was the the boss, me, and another employee. There were three of us, and it was that way for a long time. So I was always I always knew what it was like to run a small business because I always worked for small business owners. Then I became a partner in in another licensing and supervision company. So I was you know, basically running, partly running that company at the same time. But that became bigger, we had, we ended up having 15 employees. And then it was like, you know, working 10 hours a day and not being able to do any music. And then I joined the band. So you know, it was just (laughs) so, you know, I think all those things work together to kind of teach me the do's and don'ts of, of, of running a small business by seeing the mistakes that and the good things that happened in the other companies i worked for i was able to say okay well now when i have my company i know i'm not going to do it that way or i am going to do it this way and like i said because it's only me i all the only people i have to answer to are me and my clients
0: that's it <laughs> that's the dream honestly yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. Certain aspects, I suppose, because then you can't really delegate any tasks.
1: So that is that is the, the the crux of it. But it's still, for me, it's still the only way to go.
0: Right. Yeah. What incredible journey and opportunity to continue being able to do everything that you want to do. Which... Brings me to my next point. How the heck do you do it for real? How do you balance both the creative side and also running your business? Well, I'm a Gemini.
1: So <laughs> I like to think that there's like two of me and probably my friends and family would agree to, <laughs> to some degree. I- I'm serious. It's really like, okay, well, I, th- I really have to take a look at like, what's the week about? Okay, well, like... This past weekend, I was part of a virtual concert that I, I produced, co-produced with a friend of mine where prior to that we were recording and doing videos that we were compiling for this show. So like all of a sudden I'm I'm a TV producer and then like the week before I'm doing something else. But it's really about saying, what's the week about? Here's Here's what I have to do this day. Here's what I have to do this day. And, and sticking to a schedule. And that even goes for songwriting too. You know, songwriting is this weird thing. Composing music is this, is this thing where, yes, you have these moments of divine inspiration where music just kind of comes through you. But then there are other moments where you have a client who says, I need a 60 second TV commercial in three days. So you have to write it. And you can't just sit around waiting for the lightning bolt of inspiration to hit you. You have to have the craft and I've always thought of music, whether it's writing or performing or singing or practicing, it's all craft. It's magic and it's craft. So I like to rely on those, those things that I've learned as a, as a composer to take me through those, you know, creating for a client. And and being able to turn it out when I need to and not feel like, oh, I, I can't, I don't have an idea coming to me. What am I going to do? It's, it's like you make the ideas.
0: And I guess that's where studying music at school comes in handy.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, I was very fortunate to have uh, really terrific teachers and as, as a multi-instrumentalist too, you know. Playing playing a number of different instruments also kind of informs me as a writer and vice versa. So I'm able to take what I know as an instrumentalist and apply it to writing, and I'm able to apply my writing to to what I do as an instrumentalist and a
0: vocalist. That is incredible. (laughs) Okay, kind of moving a little bit towards your actual what you do now and your company at Hidden Palm Productions, Mm -hmm. how would you describe exactly what you do?
1: Sure, yeah, because my background, the first place that I used to work doing licensing when I first uh, started in this business, it, it, it wasn't just music licensing. It was all kinds of rights clearance, so it was, you know music, celebrities, film clips, photos. So I have this background and all that. So that's one of the services that Hidden Palm Productions offers. We offer any kind of rights clearance, anything that is copyrighted or protected, we can help get permission for. A big part of what I do is music supervision, not so much for television and and film, although I do indie films, but uh, I really do more music supervision for advertising and for corporate users. So, you know, I've done a couple of national TV commercials for BMW. I do a lot of work for Delta Airlines for their uh, corporate videos, say, you know, their employee videos, or maybe a sales video or something like that. And years ago in in the business, people wanted to just mostly use things that were recognizable you know they they want it they want I hear I heard through the grapevine they want they want you know the best by Tina Turner they want these these big songs but now it's really opened up here's our budget go find us something that's going to work creatively for this so that that's the fun part because then I can I can reach out to indie artists I can reach out to other indie suppliers I don't necessarily have to go to the big music companies, which I still do, and I've had relationships for for many, many years, so many years, I'm not even going to tell you how many, with, <laughs> with like, you know, Sony and Universal and Warner and, and uh, you know, uh, and a big part of being a music supervisor is having all of these connections and these contacts because you know, you know, this this person has this kind of stuff, that person has that kind of stuff. So that's one of the a big part of what we do. I also offer original custom scoring for clients. And that was kind of a lightning, like a, a light bulb that went off one day. I'm like, I have a master's in composition. We should be offering these services. And we have a really great project studio here. And my husband and I collaborate often with writing for uh commercials and some TV stuff and like sizzle reels for websites and things like that. And I'd say then I've got a, a portion of my business is also consulting with songwriters and musicians whether it's a songwriter who's looking to put a cover song on their album or maybe they need help in negotiating a contract with somebody who wants to use their music for something so right now you know the business has been kind of quiet because of the the pandemic mm-hmm. but right now I have I think I've got four clients who are all musicians and I'm consulting with them on different things. So that's kind of fun. And that's that's my way of giving back because being in, in the position I am I, I and as understanding both sides of the coin, you know, I know what it's like to be a writer and to like maybe not really understand uh, what their rights are or how to read a contract or, you know... So I've gone through all that. And I like to be able to share what I know with people. And so that's become part of my business. And I've had referrals and I've had, you know, people say, Oh, you know, you, I've I've heard that you, you help so-and-so out. Can you give me a hand with this? So.
0: Yeah. And, I, I was going to say, too, because before before we even started the interview with you, with you, me and Sydney were talking a little bit, um, very interested, because we kind of was leaning that you helped majority of companies with a lot of the supervision. And so it's interesting that you did bring up that you are helping individuals on, you know, on their kind of basis, and what part of their planning or prepping should they come to you um, for help?
1: Well, you know... I think I think there's a lot of information out there now where people can really educate themselves. So much more than when I was a young writer and musician coming up. I mean, you know, there were a couple of, you know, books that everybody bought, like This Business of Music, which is great and it's still out there and it's still something everybody should have in their library. But there's so much information online about you know, how to do things and, and you know, what you should do with your music and how you should protect yourself. And, you know, what's a PRO? Are you, should I be a member of ASCAP or BMI or CSAC? And what does that even mean? There's a lot where people can educate themselves. But I'm also here if you need help and you need some explanation and, you know, some people think that they're going to come to me and I'm going to help them get placements of music. That's really not what I do. My clients are users of music mostly, which are again ad agencies, corporations, filmmakers. If I'm consulting for people, it's usually uh, more other music business types of of issues and not necessarily, you know, can you can you place my song? I can make suggestions about what they should do to try and get placements or surfaces they can use or, you know, that kind of thing.
0: That makes sense. That's very interesting that you say that because the whole music supervision, sync licensing is still part of the landscape where there are a lot of moving pieces. And I can understand how a lot of artists need help navigating that and where you come in. When you are working with like a client like BMW, I actually just saw that you were involved with placing 21 pilots, goo goo dolls, those projects very cool. So can you walk us through how you found that particular song, why you recommended it and why BMW chose to move forward with it?
1: In those cases, those were those were projects where there were a few ideas already rolling around. So they were kind of they were kind of in the 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 list of things that they were interested in,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and so you know honing it down more, and then approaching the owners of the material and and really finding out what was going to work best with the creative, and and it's interesting with BMW, it's a situation, it's a license or it's a client situation that's not typical because usually in that case. It's the ad agency that comes to right. me, right? But here's another th- thing about relationships. I I had years ago, years ago done a corporate video for this producer at BMW, like ten years ago. And we had a nice rapport and he remembered me. And when it came time for national campaigns that they did, which were those two, and then and then one I had did I did even before those those two campaigns they came to me and said we want you to be the music supervisor licensing person on this even though they had an ad agency who could have helped them with that and so the I didn't deal with the agency at all on those projects I dealt directly with BMW which was really nice yeah so yeah so it's you know what'll happen is often the the you you'll get the creative you'll get a storyboard or maybe you'll get a rough cut maybe there's some temp music which what that means is there's there's music there that they they like or some, sounds something similar to what they think they want mm. or sometimes it's a temp track where it's this it's this great song that they're never ever going to get permission for that they've fallen in love with And then you have to break the news that they're not going to get permission for it. And, you know, we have to find something else. And that can be difficult. But in the case of the Goo Goo Dolls and 21 Pilots, both of those songs had music publishers and record labels that I had relationships with for many, many years. And, you know, I knew exactly who to go to. I knew I could go to the the VP of licensing at Warner records and be on a first name basis with them. And, you know, when my, when my emails come in, they answer me and it doesn't take two or three weeks. I get a response quickly. And then, you know, then it it, it becomes a process of what are the specs now? The specs of a project are everything from how many commercials are they going to do? Is it, it, you know, is it one spot or, is it creative? Are there 10 different spots, you know, where the creative is changing and the music's going to be the bed under all of these? Is it television of any kind? Is it internet? Is it now? Is, are, are we doing social media? Is it, is the social media paid for? Or is it just, you know, people sharing it and, it, mm-hmm. and it's not being paid for? How long is it going to air? Is it going to be a year? Is it going to be throughout the United States or is it just going to be New York City? Or, you know, and all these things affect the price. And then you get to the point where you're negotiating after, you know, you may make a suggestion for a price, you get a quote back, it's back and forth. Then, when everybody's happy with a number, you move forward, you request a contract. Now, I'm not an attorney, but I've I I operate in this kind of weird place where the label and the publisher send me the contract. I review it. I make my recommendations. I see if there's any problems with it. I see if corrections need to be made. Then it goes to the client and their attorney. If they're okay with it, they sign and it comes back to me. Then it goes back to, it goes to the label or the, and the, the publisher. And then, I make sure that everything's paid for and signed there's fully executed agreements at
0: the end of the day and that's that's kind of how it works that is it seems like a long process but like you said earlier it could be at like three days i mean you can get an approval pretty quickly it does depend on the song it depends on who you're
1: dealing with you know if it's an indie artist you know sometimes that can go very quickly if it's a, a big tune you know if somebody comes to me and wants to use over the rainbow which is sony music publishing's biggest copyright that's probably going to take oh. a little bit longer because there are multiple approvals that have to be gone gotten through for a, for a big tune or a big recording and the other thing just quickly because i might be confusing people a music publisher represents the songwriter or the composer the music and lyrics a record company represents a particular audio recording of that song so you know the music publisher of the goo goo dolls tune is one entity and then their record label that represents their audio recording is another entity. so there's two companies that have, you have to go to for permission and two two companies that have to be paid now sometimes People want to get permission for a song, and they re- then they re record it themselves, right? You don't have to use the recording by the famous artist. You could just, you know, you could whistle it if you wanted to. And th- in that case, then you just get permission from the music publisher, and then you can do your own recording.
0: Yeah, that's a really great point. And yeah, I I think it's really really wild how. Songwriters and producers and artists can make money in different ways, and also there's so many different permissions, like you just mentioned right and entities that handle those certain permissions. yeah, you know, whether, like you said, is another artist using an artist's song, writers creating music for artists working on projects, dealing with all of that for commercials, film, video games, all that stuff. And you mentioned earlier how there are, specific, there are some songs that just will, you will not get the permission for. Do you have an example of that?
1: Yeah. I mean, Bruce Springsteen has never licensed anything for a television commercial. And, you know, so if somebody came to me and, and asked me about that, you know i wouldn't even let them hire me to do that i would just say you you're not going to get it let's look at something else you know that's just, just it although what's happened he you know he's a very special case there are other artists that maybe years ago would not have licensed their material for a television commercial led zeppelin years ago was was one of those artists that would never let their material be used but things changed and they, they, they have licensed. Part of the reason is the business has changed so drastically because people are not buying music the way they used to mm-hmm. that the way that artists are making money is by touring and by licensing their music. So these back catalogs of of music you know there's whole departments at publishing companies and record companies that try to encourage tv film and advertising to use their catalogs to license their catalogs because they're trying to make money
0: yeah, yeah. and i've been seeing that more often as well like i i've always heard that either artists can create music specifically for the opportunity to license it or they do that to fund their the, what they actually want to create music for yeah which is themselves
1: <laughs> yeah 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 and you you know you 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 can also i think there are also artists that you know they yeah they're they're actually writing specifically to try to kind of get licensed, you know, they're, they're writing in a certain genre or they're writing with a certain kind of lyric sentiment because it's, it has a good chance of maybe landing a car commercial, you know, that's also, that's also happening too. But yeah, it's, it's really interesting how it's changed over the years, kind of the the licensing business and how, and again, there are more opportunities for indie artists because, you know like i said i have my clients will come to me and just say let's just find me something cool that'll work with this they're not consider, they're not concerned that people are going to know who it is or or what it is or that it's familiar they just they wanted to work with with the the campaign and they wanted to work with the budget and of course if it's an indie artist usually the budgets are lower so you know those big big six-figure deals that we used to have or seven figure deals, actually a lot of seven figure deals uh, back in the nineties and in the early two thousands. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I started when I was like 10. Yeah.
0: Well, <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> well I was also going to say like that big of a number in the nineties, but, and then convert it to now. Wow.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's, it's just, it's interesting to, to have been in the business so long to see how these things change and uh, what people are interested in using and how maybe, you know, and sometimes, y- you know, you'll have one year where the, the music budget's really big for advertising for a particular client. And then the next year, it's not. And they're just, you know, they're putting it someplace else. And then so their needs for music are different. So it changes
0: from your experience, even within your company over the past nine years, I guess now that you have more services that you provided, how have you seen I guess from your perspective, do you like the way that your services have changed and where you, I guess, get the projects from versus what used to be more prominent uh, back then?
1: You know, I, I I don't mind the change because it keeps me on my toes, and I and I like to do different things. Yeah, maybe it w- you know it would probably be nice for some of those bigger budget, you know, yeah. national commercials to to come to come back my way. But I think that's also, I mean, just of course, in the past year, you know, everything's just crazy. So lots of productions are on hold. But I find that what I am doing now it seems to be it just seems to be where i'm supposed to be i don't know it's kind of like yes i you know i can i can do music licensing and rights clearance with my eyes closed i've i've been doing it so long and and i like to do it but you know consulting with a musician and kind of being a bit more of an educator is is fine with me It's, it's part of, it's part of who I am. I I also, I also am a music teacher. I do teach music lessons. So that's part of what I do too, you know? And I think that that kind of carries over into my, my business as somebody who likes to educate people about this business and about what the process is. And I think, you know, I have a better relationship with my clients if they understand what I'm doing. And uh, it's funny, I, I had a I had a conversation, uh, a Zoom meeting uh, last week with, with a uh, new client, it's a theater company, and th- they're hiring me to clear some music for them for a virtual production that they're doing. And they just, they had no idea how this all works and, you know, so instead of just, handing it over to me, I, you know, we, we had a conversation and I just educated them a little bit about how this all works and what it means. And it, it, they just felt so much better about it that they had a bit more of an understanding instead of just handing it to me and just like, okay, then I'll just give them the contracts at the end of the day. They really wanted to understand the process. And I think I become more valuable to them if they know what has to happen, you know?
0: It totally sounds like you're so passionate about it and you get to flex all different aspects of your brain and your craft. And I love that you are educating others instead of just rolling with it because I think that's another thing that's changing about the industry where there's value in the experience and the insight that you have. From what I've been hearing in, in the past, people have been very secretive on the information they have. And now it seems like people are being more open and sharing the knowledge.
1: Yes, I, I think you're right. And I've even had people say to me that they were surprised that I was willing to like tell them or to educate them or take the time to explain something to them and you know somebody took the time to do that for me years ago in in certain aspects of of learning what i do i you know no no person is an island we all we all kind of absorb things and learn from people and i just i find it an important part of what of of what i do and i think yeah i i just think it's it's just kind of become more and more a part of of my business without even realizing it. You know what I mean?
0: Absolutely. What would you say is the most fun part of what you do? I think it sounds crazy, but the one of the
1: most fun parts of what I do is the fact that I, I can control my own schedule. It sounds nuts, but the fact that like, you know, I can get up in the morning and decide how I'm going to make my my day go and oh my gosh, I can actually go out and exercise this morning. I I mean, I spent years where I didn't exercise because I couldn't, I was just like working so much. I was working so much. I couldn't, I just couldn't even do that. So I'm like healthier now than I was 20 years ago because I have my own business. So there's that. Yeah. Um, But, but I think in terms of like the the music stuff, the business stuff, the, the two things that I really, that are really fun for me are when somebody says to me you go find something you know i want you to you know just just find me something so then i really get to i get to be the person who finds the thing that works with the project and you know when everybody's happy when the client's happy when the licensors are happy you know my suppliers that's a great feeling. It's also really fun when I get to to write music for a project. And, you know, it's happened where, like last year, I was music supervising an indie film. And the client wanted to use a Cat Stevens song in the film. And we asked for permission. And it didn't work out. The, the publisher... They denied the use, and, you know, that happens. Sometimes Sometimes no is no, you know. I mean, we, we try to do what we can to, to get people to say yes and to, you know, make things work out, but sometimes they, they don't, and uh, they don't even have to give you a reason why. They just said no. So this was a song that was going to go in the end of the film into the end credits. So I said, look, we can start looking for something to replace it, but I said, I have an idea. I'm gonna write something tonight. I'm gonna to demo it tomorrow and I'm gonna send it to you. So I was this is what I said to the filmmaker. And so I wrote a song and I did a demo the next day and he loved it and he put it at the end of the film. So that was a situation where, you know, I was able to in a project I was supervising, I was actually able to write the the end song for the film. And then I released it as a single four months later. So that was a lot of fun. That's really exciting.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that is incredible that you're able to essentially do both and get creative with it. I have a scenario for you. Yeah. And this scenario is an actual scenario that happened to me (laughs) without naming (laughs) any brands or names. So if a brand like a common household product comes to you with the idea to create an ad in partnership with a magazine for you to find an artist that makes sense to recreate another artist's popular song, essentially a cover in the ad, who do you work with? How does that work? And what rights are involved to make that happen? So...
1: (laughs) They want <laughs> they want to create some they're, – they're basic, you're basically talking about a knockoff?
0: Yeah, so a brand wants a famous artist to do a cover of another famous artist song for the ad. Okay. What so, rights are involved and who's involved in that?
1: So what would be involved, first of all, the music publisher who represents the, the composer mm. or songwriters of, of the song the the artist's agent, the n- the new artist's agent. Who, if you you want to hire somebody to redo a song, mm. then it would be that that their or their manager. There might be. There might be an issue sometimes. Sometimes it's not the publisher who can say, "Okay, anybody can re-record this song." That's, that, that's an, that can be an issue. Sometimes that there are, there are stipulations on songs where you have to use the original artist's recording or, it, it, you know, you, you can't re-record it. So that would have to be sussed out. In the case of the Beatles, if you want to use a Beatles song in a TV commercial, you can't use their recording. You have to re-record it. So pay attention if you hear a Beatles song in a TV commercial, it's always going to be a record. and it's wow. always slightly. It's That's- not. It's always slightly. It's not like a. It's not. It's slightly different. It's kind of a different, slightly different arrangement.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I'm thinking of ways that, like, I get by with a little help from my friends. Is literally in so many things.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> like. It's right. never them, yeah. Right, it, and it's not them. It's the it's mm-hmm. the song, but it's not going to be the Beatles. So, yeah.
0: Is it because they're going to be that seven-digit number? <laughs> no, they.
1: It's just no. They just wow. don't no. do that. I mean, y- you'll you'll maybe hear them in a maybe a film or a TV, maybe even a TV show, but not a not a commercial. They'll license the songs. They won't license the recordings.
0: Yeah. So I know that each one of your projects seems to be pretty specific to either the company or the artist. Do you have a certain, you know, procedures that you use that pretty much can be standard across your different projects? Hmm. Do I guess streamline any of the, you know, process that you have to do?
1: Well, there there are there are things that kind of help me move through projects quickly. One of them is keeping a very clear set of templates that I use for certain types of requests so that mm-hmm. if I'm sending a request out for a uh, non-broadcast use, like for a, a corporation, that's one type of a, of a template. Uh, a template for an indie film is different. A template for a commercial is different. Internet use, commercial, uh, a template for, say, you want to use a you know, a famous person in a, in a print ad, you know, so I have all these templates. I also keep, I keep a running kind of project list going all the time. So I'm always, I always know where each project's at and what happened Absolutely. on each day. I find that invaluable, you know, as much as you, and you know, like my, also my emails, are, I've got folders for everything and whether it's, whether it comes to my inbox or I'm sending something, it immediately goes into the project folder. So in other words, I hardly keep anything in my inbox. There's nothing in my sent box. That's, it's all in Wow. which folder, in it's, folder it's got to go to. Yeah, And that, so that if I'm looking for, you know, that particular Delta project or BMW, it'll be under BMW and then the song and... You know, or the year or whatever. And then I know Absolutely. exactly where to go for everything that was about that Goo Goo Doll song. Wow. It's there. It's there. It's not, you know. Yeah. So it sounds really anal, but it works.
0: Hey, I'm the same way as you. You got to be organized, especially when you're working on numerous projects at once. And there are two types of people in the world. The one that has keeps a zero inbox. (laughs) And then there are other people who have like a hundred thousand unread and those people drive me nuts that would make me so crazy and you know and like i said you know it's it's only
1: me there's nobody's going to organize yeah. this stuff for me so uh, if if i don't have it organized i'm not going to be able to find it quickly and then i'm not going to have the time to do the other things i want to do so being really good about like moving that stuff right away just you know not waiting just doing it just doing it you know at at that point it just it it works and it and then i it's also for all my original music stuff too I have like my Hidden Pond Productions folders, and then I have my my own music business folders, which is all of my gigs and my performing. And you know, there's a folder for you guys now.
0: (laughs) We need it. I'm just saying. I'm (laughs) just saying. You know, (laughs) that's incredible. And they do say if it takes less than five minutes to do a task, then just do it right then and there. Absolutely. Like you cannot get behind on that stuff. Then the whole system is just ruined. Um, (laughs) So I'm actually curious, and it's a question that almost slipped my mind. When you're working, like when you get to choose music for a project, especially working with like indie artists, what matters most to you when you're looking at their music and how can artists catch your eye?
1: I would say, you know, sonically, sonically, it has to be really good. Like we were talking at the beginning, there's, you know, lots of, pe- most people are working from home studios or project studios there. And and so if if you're doing that kind of thing and you're trying to get music place do you want to try and license your own stuff your stuff has to sound really good because there's so much competition out there it can't sound like you know a demo recorded in your bedroom with no reverb and no compression and no eq and it it just it has to really it really has to sound good and you know the thing is is that the the projects vary in terms of what of what we're looking for, for, for things. So it could be instrumental, it could be world music, it could be pop, it could be, you know, electronic swing music. That's, that's something I had to find last year. I mean, you know, so the genres, there's so many like little sub genres now uh, and and people operating in these things. So I, I, but I would really say your stuff has to sound good. The audio has to sound good your songwriting has to be really strong. And, you know, I, I'm lucky that I, I kind of came up through a time where, I, you know, before me, there was just really great songwriting. There's was really great songwriting in the 60s and 70s and, and, and into the 80s. And I might be dating myself, but that's what I had to listen to. So I had really great teachers just from what I was hearing on friggin' AM radio, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? There was great stuff on the air. So yeah, it's, it's just, it's got to sound good. It's got to sound professional. And that's, that crosses genre, right? You know, it doesn't matter what the genre is, but it has to sound good. And good music is good music. It doesn't matter what genre it is. There are, there are elements that, that make great music and whether it's, classical or jazz or, you know, and these, these are much more, I mean, we could talk about this for hours, which is if we're going to start talking about harmony and melody and rhythm and all those things that, you know, what makes some, what makes a great piece of music, it's how these things come together and how they create, they create a shape. You know, a song is something that has, it starts at A and ends at Z. And what do you do to get from point A to point B? right? How do you use those things to create? And for songwriting, how do you do it in three or four minutes, you know, right. you create a world in three or four minutes. So I think, you know, people, people who are writing music to try and get placed need to also listen, they need to listen to a lot of music.
0: Yeah, and it sounds like do a lot of research too. <laughs> yeah, a lot yeah. of
1: Yeah. And also, you know, if people are, you know, I don't don't know if we want to get into this too much, but if if musicians, songwriters are looking to try and get placements, they also need to find out who the music supervisors are. Listen, you know what are the TV shows and films that they like? What catches their ear when they when they watch uh, a TV commercial? Find out who did it. Find out who the agency is. I mean, that's easy to do nowadays. It (laughs) wasn't twenty five years ago you know, it was really hard to find out that stuff. Now it's really easy to find out who a music supervisor is on something, who's the ad agency on a TV commercial. And then, you know, what is that music supervisor? What are the shows? Are they what shows are they working on? What kind of music do those shows use? You know, if a show generally uses a particular genre or style, and you are writing something that's totally different, chances are they're not going to play, they're not going to, be interested you have to find
0: what's right for what you do Mm -hmm. that's a really great point from like the creative side and how this song sounds but taking a step even before all of that before listening to their music what makes you open an email or what makes you even open up that file to listen
1: you know i i get a lot i get a lot of stuff sent to me every day and and like i said i am not somebody who helps indie artists get placements mm. although indie artists do send me their stuff and i keep track of who they are and what and what they're doing and i'll give a, a listen i can't listen to everything and i'll you know i also that's another thing i do i keep a keep a record of 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 kind of the music that I get and what, what's the genre, what's, you know, this is a one stop, this, this, this company, or this, this artist does this type of thing. You know, I have an artist that has great stuff and it's like Klezmer bluegrass. I mean, you know, that's a very specific type of thing. So, you know, I think approaching somebody like me, like just a cold email, I think, you know what I really hate is when I get an email that just says hi. Here's da da da. They don't even know my first name. I am not gonna op- I'm not gonna pursue that. I'm not gonna look any further. If you can't even figure out what my first name is, as a president of this company, I'm not gonna listen to what you're sending me. So there's also like just like just you know etiquette protocols, right? You know look. I think I think a, a lot of people who are trying to do this kind of thing also have to just learn how to write a letter. You know, absolutely.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Jinx, you owe know. me a soda, Samantha. <laughs> yeah, there's there's be a lag in the in the Zoom meeting or something. I definitely said that before you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I I think that's interesting that you bring it up because there's a lot that a lot of people can. Just know, uh, in general, with the music industry, and a lot from what I've just been hearing from you and a lot of the women we've been interviewing, a lot of it to get through and to actually get somewhere, it's all about relationships. It's all about keeping or just knowing your brand, but also making sure that, you know, you write an email appropriately to look, to make it personable. Or if you're reaching out to them on LinkedIn, make sure you know something about them before you even reach out saying like, hey, can you do this? If anything, I've learned a lot from Sydney, who's been doing this throughout this entire process. Thank you. I appreciate I that shout out.
1: I couldn't agree more with you. And you know, I, and and I'm asked that often, like, what's the one thing you would tell you know young people who are da 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 da, and you know, I I have to say one of the th- one of the things that I I, I say is, you know, t- t- don't be an idiot.
0: <laughs> it's I it's mean, laziness, you know, it's, like you yeah, know
1: it's... I mean and, and let me tell you, and don't and don't be a diva. This business, this business is small. And word travels fast if you are difficult to work with. Whether it's on the creative side or the business side, And I've had relationships with people for, like I said, I can't even tell you how many years and I've kept those relationships because I've kept a personal touch with, with how I interact with them. And, and I'm a decent person to work with. And, and I think kindness is very important in this business. And I don't think that means you're a pushover and I don't think it means that you're naive. I think it's how it, it, it's how you choose or it's how I choose to, to walk through the world and I can walk through the world with kindness and still get my job done. And so, you know, being cordial in an email, sending thank you notes, you know, thanking people when they've done something for you and just kind of operating on an even keel. And, you know, and I'm still working with people. I I still have clients that come back to me year after year after year because I'm, I'm really just trying not to be an idiot.
0: (laughs) 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 After all these years, (laughs) you gotta be doing something right. You know, I'm, so I what do you want to be known for so you don't want to be known as an idiot I,
1: I just think that I, I would like to be known for someone who gets gets the job completed gets the gets the work done in a way where where everybody feels, Happy and everybody feels that the project is successful. It's not just and that's part of being a a Writer and a composer and it's part of being a business person because I know what it feels like on both sides so I Like my clients to be happy who are using music and then I like the licensors to be happy I like the people who are representing the songwriters and and the and the the artists to be happy I want them to feel like they're getting a good deal. I want my clients to feel that they're getting a good deal. So, and when that happens, it feels really great. You know, when everybody is, is, is okay with how things happened and that, that's me in the middle doing my job correctly.
0: That's really inspiring, truly. And I think that's like the best that we all can do. Like- yeah if only everyone thought the way you did, because there are those out there that are just in it for themselves. And that's just really inspiring. That's how I want to lead my life as well. Thank you. Thank you. It's,
1: I, you know, I, I just, it, it, it makes me feel that I can continue to do this work and do it in a way where I feel good about getting up in the morning and, 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 and doing the work that I do. And I think that's just, you know, that's probably was my role in my family, you know, kind of a middle person and kind of an in-between and a negotiator. And I have <laughs> kind of probably brought that to, to my, my business. It's just, it's kind of funny that that, you know, this is not something I sought out. I I kind of landed in this business. You know, I I took, like I said, I took a job as an administrative assistant, and then it be kind of became this thing that, oh wow, this can actually work with, who I am as a musician. You know, so. You know, it's it's just that's just the 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 path my life my life has taken, and it I'm at the point in my life where even after after all of these years. It, I've made it work so that it's it's on my terms and it's on my time and I can, you know, I can make both things work.
0: Well, and just to add to that too, because obviously you're an entrepreneur, you're on your own business, but at the same time, you're not really forgetting your roots and being that person that had to deal with so many outlets, but now you're actually using that as a service, but also remembering <laughs> Who you are in the process. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which is definitely hard to come across, especially when you deal with people that are high up or know, a lot, like, have a lot of experience with, like yourself, who forget what they had to deal with.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, and, and I, and I do, I still, I come across people like that. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, I do, and I, I just, you know, just don't want that to be me.
0: Yep. Well, hey, Lisa, we loved having you on this podcast. We do have one last question for sure. the listeners. Yeah. How are they able to reach you? What's the best platforms?
1: Um, They can reach me a number of ways through my company. Hiddenpondproductions.com is my company website. And that lists all the services that we provide. And you can also see a variety of the, the work that we've done. For me as a musician and a, and a composer, lisabrigantino.com. And that's got all my upcoming shows, other services I provide, you know, sheet music, merch, all, that, all kinds of stuff. And then, like I mentioned previously, my sister and I have a musical comedy act we do where we play Housewives from Minnesota, which is very kind of like <laughs> kitschy. And that's that's called the Vicky and Nikki show. we're And we're putting together a holiday show right now. That's going to be a virtual streaming event. So yeah, that's a lot of fun.
0: That it, Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I've actually, I've, I uh, have watched quite a few Vicky and Nikki <laughs> <laughs> short clips on YouTube. And all I can think is like, wow, this is great. <laughs> I cannot keep up an accent. But also- <laughs> Why Minnesota? Like, are, are you from Minnesota? <laughs> no,
1: I'm from the like New York City. I I was I lived in the Bronx the first thirteen Cause I was months of my say,
0: life. Your accent, you lost it, then. <laughs> no,
1: no, I, it, it's a long story, but. It, It was actually my sister's idea. We were asked to do music for, like, 70s music for friends of ours who were doing real-life versions of Three's Company, the TV show. Oh. So before it, they wanted to have some music, and I said, well, you guys know some 70s songs. Why don't you you do that? And so my sister Lori said, well, let's do it, but let's do it as characters. And she came up with these characters. And, you know, we're like, we're two Italian girls from New York City, but we play these, you know – you know, Minnesota is as far away from New York as you're going to get. So, and it's like wigs, false eyelashes, yeah. gowns, the whole nine yards. And, you know, and I listen to a lot of Fargo, you know, because uh, <laughs> that's how I learned to do the accent. And so, yeah, so it's a lot of fun. It's, and, and these are scripted shows. We've written 11 shows, I think, to date. And, and we do original music and we do really inappropriate covers. Like we'll do Lady Gaga's paparazzi, but we'll do it as a bluegrass number.
0: Oh wow! Oh, yeah, I have so, not seen that one. I yeah. saw the the Christmas special, and yeah, I believe you are driving in the car at some point. Oh yeah, <laughs> those are
1: yeah, those are little webisodes that we're we're doing. exactly. Yeah. It's
0: it's a yeah. short form ones. I love it. Um, All right,
1: Vicky and Nikki Flickies. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: That is so clever. So that's real. fun. That's, you cannot that's cool. you cannot get Samantha and I on on the we would never we cannot do that <laughs> like. <laughs> I don't know. I really have to prep myself because as soon as I get, there's a camera in front of me, I swear to God, I get the most awkward I've ever been in my entire life. I mean, also, despite the fact that we can't sing or play instruments. So, other than that, well, I like Samantha. Samantha plays saxophone, so, but she hasn't played in years. But yeah, well, actually, it. what'd you say? I could still read it. <laughs> Okay, well, I lied. I actually have another question. As in, Samantha lied. I have a question. <laughs> okay, what was what has been your most favorite music placement in an ad ever? Let's see.
1: Well, I think there are a couple. I think I think the Goo Goo Dolls for BMW was was one of my favorites. I thought that was a great spot and everybody was really happy about that. And it was, it was, it was funny because when I was in La Zeppelin in 2006, we went to Colorado. It was like our first like tour out west. And we played this little club in Breckenridge. And that night the Goo Goo Dolls had played in Breckenridge and they came to the show and listened and so we the band kind of had this relationship with the goo goo dolls so like all these years later when i did the the placement for the goo goo dolls you know there was this this there was this feeling of, of oh you know i'm i'm help, I'm doing something for them and it, it felt really nice and like i think one of my very very first like big deals but this was this was years ago it was i think i i placed irving berlin's blue skies for Claritin. you know the 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 oh, Claritin no, no, no. Uh, Allergy yeah, Commercial. Allergy. Uh, allergies oh, and Allergy. Yeah. So yeah, it's yeah. you know, Blue Skies. Yeah. And so that was like my first big, you know, then I think I, I took a photograph of the check <sighs> that they, you know, so.
0: That's such um, an incredible feeling. I've been listening to Iris by Google Dows all day. And also I've been getting <laughs> into the covers by one of the covers I'm obsessed with is Sleeping with Sirens version uh, of Iris. Yeah. It's Incredible. Like, I've honestly had it on blast all day. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. Great stuff.
0: Yeah. It really is. But, anyways, thank you so much again, Lisa, for talking all things music supervision, your like creative projects, your music career in general. It was such a pleasure to have you on the set of podcasts featuring women on- entrepreneurs like yourself.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It was really great talking to both of you.
0: Awesome. Thank you, Lisa. Thanks for joining me for another episode of The Setup Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please review The Setup on Apple Podcast. And I encourage you to share this episode with your friends and colleagues. If you have any topic recommendations or questions, please visit us at www.thesetupseries.com.